Thank God it's free range. You are listening to Free Range Radio Friday with your host, Michael Elves. Pour yourself a beverage and turn up the volume because here on 101.5 UMFM, the weekend starts now.
101.5 UMFM, this is Thank God It's Free Range, the Friday edition of Free Range Radio. I'm Michael Elson, kicking things off for us tonight. That is UK Outfit Strata, and that's spelled S-T-R, number four, T-A, with a track called Aspects from the Brownswood Best of 2020. Uh, Brownswood, the uh, Giles Peterson-affiliated label. Uh, just dropped that sampler collection uh, up on Bandcamp earlier this week. Uh, that track came out in September, uh, but is just the forthcoming single from an album that'll come out February 2021. Uh, coming up on the show tonight, Will Bonas, local jazz pianist and uh, instructor at the Desolte Faculty of Music, uh, joined me to talk about his new album, Change of Plans. And Rami Mays is back to talk about what curbside concerts are up to over the holidays. Uh, before we get into my co- talk with Will Bonas, Milk Crate, We've played uh, one of their remixes of Some 01. Uh, now I've got a track from their new mixtape, Crate Royal, uh, their version of Buster Rhymes and Q-Tips' Ill Vibe, a uh, stone-cold hip-hop classic. Keep it locked here on 101.5 UMFM. Yo, yo, word. That ill vibe, yo, word, bus. Yo, yo, word. That ill vibe, yo, say word. Yo, 
All right. Well, local pianist Will Bonas's latest record is called Change of Plans, and certainly all of us have had those of late. He joins us on the line. How's it going, Will? It's going pretty well. All How things considered. <laughs> you can still do radio, though. No problem. That's true. Uh, and you can still release records somehow. Um, was In terms of the, the recording process for this one, like did, did this get recorded pre-COVID? Because I know that there have been records recorded kind of subsequent to the spring. Yeah, it was recorded like 95% uh, in November of la- like a year ago. Right. Um, we did a little bit of just some touch-ups like post-COVID, but that was, you know, just like one person going to record. So yeah, it was luckily, uh, luckily it was done before. So uh, the the touch-ups and stuff like that, like uh, that sort of like post-production process, what was what was your experience like with with kind of like different protocols or like you know did did you have to record everything I kind mean, of separately I'll, I'll, and piece it together? Or? Actually, it was like I said, it was like ninety-five percent done. It was there was just a little bit of vocal tweaking to do oh, okay. after so. the fact. So it was just a matter of going in there and just going in a vocal booth and and uh redoing a few things so yeah it was it was no problem really so you said last november backing the train up in terms of like before recording though like when when was sort of the genesis of this record uh like i mean because usually either you're writing songs or or uh you know making arrangements or, or putting a band together when when did the kind of actual process for change of plans begin for you um we recorded some demo tracks uh actually even I think it was even a year before the actual record (laughs) Um, just to get some I I didn't know what I was going to do with it yet but it turned out really well I had never played with this band before uh, so I wanted to try it out and just hear how everything was going to sound and try some new compositional directions so um, yeah it was about a year leading into the actual recording and then then I started really once I had the sound in my head, I started doing a lot more composing and arranging for this group specifically. And uh, yeah, it just took off from there. So speaking of the band, uh, two, uh, John Gordon and Fabio Ragnelli, uh, both faculty at the Desotel Faculty of Music uh, alongside you. Um, did that, like their participation come through, through working together in an academic sense or? Um, I mean, we play together. You know, I mean, we work together, but through playing together, I just, I love playing with them. And I, I wanted to write some music that, that uh, had them in a band. So, um, yeah, I mean, through us just being in the same city, because, because both of them are from other places. So right. uh, that's why they're here, um, employment wise, but um, through playing together, I just realized I really want to make a band with them and some other people. And uh, yeah, just there was a good good connection between all of us. Well, the other two uh, members of the quintet, Jocelyn Gould and Julian Bradford, both came through the Desolte uh, program. Uh, and I have to imagine you got to know them when you were going through the program? Yeah. Um, well, Julian, I think only went for about a year. <laughs> okay. So, um, I've actually, I've actually known Julian since I was like 15. So I had already known him and, and been playing with him for 
by this point, probably about 20 years. So it made a lot of sense to have him on my record. And then Jocelyn, yeah, I met her through the U of M as well. She ended up going to uh, Michigan after that and then New York, and now she's teaching at uh, Humber in Toronto. So she's been all over the place. Right. Was there anything in particular about these four players that like you wanted to form this quintet with like, like specific experiences or like kind of tones that they are, are used to playing or like what, cause I mean, you, you, the record itself, you, you dance around a few different things and I can think of like, like Julian has experience, you know, say with someone like Keith Price where taking on like bullet with butterfly wings, the smashing pumpkins track, he's got experience kind of doing some of that stuff with like Radiohead and, and other things. No, exactly. Are you, are you looking no, I mean, at specific I, things like I that? Say, <laughs> I am. Yeah. I mean, I always say like, I try to write music. Um, and I think a lot of great music is written this way. Like you write for musicians, you know, you don't really necessarily just write music and then figure out who's going to play it later. Like a lot of great music is written with some specific players in mind. You know, I don't write for, for bass. I write for Julian, if that makes sense. Um, cause everyone's going to bring a totally different, uh, artistic sensibility to the, and, and experiences to the table. So, yeah, I mean, I knew these musicians would all sound great on this music I wrote with this particular band in mind. So I think that answers your question. So you have like a specific player in your head when you're writing a song or as you're writing a song, you start to kind of consider who who would best kind of yeah usually i mean it, it doesn't always work out that it, it doesn't always work out that way because sometimes you're just writing music and you you don't have anyone that you're regularly playing with like right now nobody's playing with anybody so you know if i was to write some music right now it might be a little bit more abstract and i'd have to figure out who would play it later but i mean yeah usually like i'll write a part and i kind of have a particular musician's sound in my head as I'm writing it. I find that's, that's a little bit more of an inspiring way to write versus just like hearing an, a generic like saxophone or, or voice or something like that. No, as for writing for yourself, what, like, do you have a specific tone or, or style of play in your mind about yourself? Or is that something that you try to like shift based on like who the other players are that would be within a track on it? on your albums yeah yeah exactly i try to shift it based on the musicians but also just i it's really important to me to just experiment with different different feels like different vibes and and different textures and stuff like that because I, I just i don't like to get too stagnant and start writing music that's like all the same so i'm just always trying to try something new basically the um the change of plans album experience. I was looking at your website and you, you're, you know, uh, the, the pressy that you write for that is that, you know, jazz music can be a little unapproachable and the music can be complicated or with, you know, mysteriously vague titles. Is that something you're conscious of as you're creating the music, like in terms of its knowable, knowableness or its approachability or, you know, not being vague? Um, I mean, actually, that's funny because I, I thought I didn't realize that that uh, page had gone live. I, I, 
<laughs> I was working on that and uh, it's not really ready yet. So I, uh, that's funny because it's not even supposed to be accessible. So I'm going to go and, and uh, you'll, you'll go hide that one down. But, <laughs> it did just ask, it, it prompted anyway. a question in my mind about, you know, your approach <laughs> to things. And if you're, you know, I mean, for, first of all, like explaining the album, but like even in the creation of uh -huh. the songs or the creation of the album, if that's something you're yeah. cognizant of. I guess what I was getting at is that uh, I like, I mean, I play music and, and write music that's in a, in a realm or kind of a, a niche genre that is a little bit unapproachable a lot of the time. Like it feels really elitist sometimes. And like, I don't know, it's, it's, it can be really abstract. And then people sometimes have titles like, I don't know, just some abstract philosophical concept or something, which is fine. But I just find that um, I do at least want to connect with, with a more general audience a little bit, you know, like I don't want to totally be like in an ivory tower or something. Like I want, I want people to enjoy my music, not necessarily like always hardcore jazz fans, you know? So I try to find a balance, you know, like I, I want something that I don't want to dumb it, dumb anything down or anything, but I also want, you know, I want people to enjoy the music and I want fans. You know, so I, I try to find a balance in that sense. Does that go into like song choice? Like, you, you know, you do like in the wee small hours of the morning, which, you know, is just a classic songbook song that a lot of people, even if they don't know the song, could probably recognize the the melody. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, I, I have some some tracks that are definitely like a little more um, abstract or a little weirder and maybe maybe someone wouldn't like that track, but then maybe they'll like the next one because like you said, like that's, that's just a classic ballad that I think a lot of people can connect to whether they're, you know, jazz fans or not. So I just try to have a, a variety of things and, and hope that people can connect to, you know, if not one track, then maybe they connect to the next track. That attempt or, or thought towards uh, people connecting, is that something you get as an academic as well? Like, because you have to kind of connect with your students in order to get the, the, the curriculum across? Yeah, it is. But I think this is more of a thing that applies to the general public because I mean, the students I get are, you know, are generally already kind of invested in being pretty serious music students. So it's not usually too hard to connect with them musically. Um, I'm thinking more in the sense of connecting with uh, either non-musicians or people who play different kinds of music from what I play. So does that influence then like a choice, like the Smashing Pumpkins track? Yeah, totally. I mean, that's like a classic, like nineties alternative rock song. And I mean, I grew up with that song and um, people have been doing that now for, I mean, that's what jazz musicians have been doing for, you know, since the beginning of the music, they've been taking popular songs of whatever time period and adapting them to a more uh, improvisational context. So, yeah, I mean, that song, I think a lot of people who who know that song will maybe appreciate that. And uh, like, yeah, like I grew up with that song. So do you listen to like non-jazz music? with an ear towards like what could work as a, a reworked jazz song, or is this like, you know, just kind of happenstance that this one kind of stuck in your mind and you were like, Oh, I can, I can, I can arrange this or. Yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, when I'm listening to music, I, I'm not usually thinking this way necessarily. I just listen to music. But when I sit down and it's like, okay, I want to, I'm going to arrange something, then I try to think back to some, some music I've heard that could work. Uh, most things can be made to work. It just depends on what, like, like a lot of the time I need a certain type of track for, say, uh, an album, like, I might already have a bunch of ballads. So like, I don't really need a slow song. So like, I have my mind set to like, oh, I need something more up tempo. So I'll just be, you know, it's kind of in the back of my mind, I guess. Um, as I'm listening to things, I might think, oh, this song has a really interesting harmonic progression that that might work for an arrangement or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, both, I guess. Do you have a a white whale of like a, a pop song or like something that's not a jazz song that you just haven't been able to figure out a way to rework as, as a jazz track, or is there something that like kind of just. Oh, that's, hmm, that's a good question. Um, there have definitely been like failed experiments, <laughs> right? <laughs> like I've, I've, tr I've tried arranging stuff and then it was like, okay, this, this is not happening. Um, several times. I can't think of any specific examples, but but I don't know if there's like one, I don't really have one in mind at the moment that like, that I want to do that hasn't worked in the past. So not right now. Right. Now you ended up with eight tracks on, on Change of Plans. Were there any tracks that you ended up abandoning just either they didn't work within the context of the whole record or just couldn't, couldn't make it work? No, actually that's, those tunes were all, um, that's all I recorded. That's, that's the whole session. Um, there were definitely dozens of, and I mean, really several dozen compositions and arrangements that I started and, and wrote them and then didn't end up wanting to use them. But uh, that's just the process of composition for me. There's just, you go through a lot of, I would say like a 10 to one ratio of like 10 things I write, I'll like one of them. Um, but by the time I got to the session, I knew what I wanted to record and we ended up using everything we recorded. So that's always a good feeling. <laughs> oh yeah. Understandably. Uh, when you say it's like 10 to one, yeah. what is it about that one or what, what are the failings of the nine that just don't resonate with you? Um, it's just an intuitive thing. It's just, I don't know if you've ever, have you written any music of your own before? No, no, just, pros okay if, if you write if 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 you tried you would understand like you you just write like a, some songs and then nothing is speaking to you and then one of them will come along and you just know that that's that one is going to work it's kind of mysterious i don't really have an explanation for it it's just that's just what i find historically to be like the ratio and it's also kind of reassuring because like I try not to worry too much if I write like five songs in a row that I really don't like, because I know that one is going to come pretty soon, most likely. So this is one of the mysteries that won't be revealed by the Change of Plans album experience then? No, no. I, I don't know. If I knew that one, I would be probably really rich. <laughs> if, you're, if you're hitting on every cylinder every time you wrote a song, yeah. Um, one to one ratio, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you'd, I think you'd be in Nashville churning them out or something. Well, yeah, I mean, there are people that can do that. But for me, that's my ratio. <laughs> for sure, yeah. Um, before I let you go, I want to get you to pick a track off of the record that we can play for listeners. 
And if there's a reason why you're picking that one song in particular, I'd love to hear it. Or if you have an anecdote about the song. Oh, sure. Oh, boy. Uh, how about... You could play I Love You. And uh, this is a Cole Porter tune that it's always like funny to call this song like on a jam session or something because <laughs> you have to say I love you to someone but uh, I, I really like this song and um, it's a very simple lyric and actually the lyrics are not that great but what I found interesting about this song is that there's actually a verse that normally comes before the song that's what like a, a verse in jazz is actually doesn't really mean the same thing as in in uh, like popular music it means like it means an introduction really so it's like it's an introduction to the main body of the song so the verse actually is about this guy who's writing a love song and it's just like he's basically talking about how crappy of a love song it is <laughs> and it's like like his lyrics aren't that great so i always thought like these lyrics aren't all that great and then when i found that verse i realized that that's it's supposed to be that way. But the verse I actually put at the end of the song as kind of a, a coda. So that's kind of the story behind that song. Great. Well, we'll give that one a listen. Yeah. Um, obviously, with the, the way that the world is right now, a release show is not in the offing any, anytime soon. But yeah. do you have any kind of like online events or anything like that that you're going to do for the album? You know, I've been, been slacking a little bit with the online content i was really doing a lot of live streams for a while um i got kind of burned out but i'm hoping to resurrect the uh the live streams so just keep an eye out if you just follow me um on any any social media and just search my name and uh i will definitely be updating on there as things happen all right well the record's called change of plans uh will thanks very much for taking some time to talk about it yeah, thanks. Thanks to you. Thanks for having me.
joined once again by Rami Mace who uh is still still involved with the curbside concerts still uh still going strong how are you doing Rami I'm doing really well I feel really good about uh curbside concerts and what we've been doing this year and and uh yeah still with still with curbside concerts surprise I can hold some job <laughs> <laughs> no it's uh, it's going really well so I'm completely committed this has uh, become I feel uh, like I'm emotionally connected to this 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 uh, initiative, the Curbside Concerts, and yeah, and we have some cool stuff coming up right now, so we're excited. Uh, so the last time we talked was uh, prior to Halloween when you were booking the the special uh, with the uh, original sixteen and and, and yep. things were. I mean, we were we were still in that nice phase of weather where we were still having some some really lovely uh, like fall fall weather. Uh, yeah. Obviously, we got the the nice like frost going and and uh, the ice. Uh, can can I ask in terms of like what effects this weather has on like figuring yeah. out gear and stuff right now? Of course, yeah. I mean, that's the main thing is is we're actually we're just trying to constantly be innovative and and uh, creative and find ways to still bring live music to people who really want to see it. And of course, with the new restrictions getting tighter and tighter everywhere um, and the weather climate changing to into winter, I wasn't really sure what we were going to be able to do. And then we had sort of had this meeting where we thought we should forward our attention to the need for Christmas caroling and French Christmas caroling and Hanukkah caroling and the, the holidays being so grim for people this year for not being able to see with their families and, and uh, maybe financially and just mental health being at its low. So we decided that it would be worth it to try to put this new initiative together. Yeah. So we have uh, in Winnipeg, I, I'm the producer for Manitoba and Alberta and Alberta's doing, we're doing Christmas caroling there. Toronto's doing Christmas caroling. And I just decided to, because we're such a multicultural little city, I thought that would be fun to add French caroling and uh, Hanukkah caroling to our roster as well for the season. So you, yeah, because you, you just have to, you just stay in your household. You stay in your doorway. You don't even have to go outside and it's the artists that are going to freeze. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that, that's the perpetual thing for the artists, right? They're the ones, on right. the road. they're the ones taking the risks. Well, for what it's worth, I asked everybody who was willing to do it. And that's, you know, so I didn't, I didn't force anybody to stand. But and our sets are 30 minutes. 
through December instead of the, the like warm weather 45. And it's, there's, yeah, and there's the Christmas kit. There's just three, there's just three acts actually on the roster for this, for this uh, initiative. There's just the Dan Scramstad duo and they're doing the English Christmas caroling. And then we have Pierre Fournette and his sister jean in a duo called Gen and Tonic. And they're doing the French caroling. And then I've, uh, I've found these two really fun brothers called the Borzakowski brothers who do Hanukkah caroling. So those will be our three options for the month of December to uh, bring a little bit of joy to the households. So in, in terms of enlisting those, those three acts, like what kind of uh, searching are you doing? Like, are, are you like, you know, going on to Bandcamp and searching like Hanukkah songs plus Winnipeg or like, what, right. like how do you kind of, <laughs> you know, find the crew? Yeah. That, yeah, I mean, I'm, I feel really lucky because in Winnipeg, there aren't too many people I don't know almost, it feels like. I mean, there's tons of people, I, but I mean that are music, in the music scene at all. Right. And so even if I was talking to, to, you know, one of my large groups of friends that are in music, they would, you know, they would be the ones to maybe even say, you know who you should talk to? And they have friends that I don't know. So really, it's just this small knit group. The Hanukkah one, I did have to post a Facebook post saying, does anyone have 30 minutes of Hanukkah caroling? Because <laughs> I didn't really know where to go for that one. I could have, I could have gone to the, I originally went to a, actually um, a rabbi that I know at uh, Rosh Pina Synagogue. And I was asking if any of the choir there would be up for something like that. But we also have the issue, right, of keeping the artists safe. And we can't expect them to get together with groups of people, you know, in a caroling group or even a duo or trio that they don't spend time with right now already right. in a household. So that limited that as well. So we just had to, you know, they're all, two of them live together, two of them are brother and sister, and two of them are brothers. So that, that sort of solved the problem of that as well, because we just, you know, while we're keeping the audiences safe in their home and we're on their curbside or boulevard, we also want to make sure that the two people that are performing together aren't risking themselves. Yeah. Like, are you having to review the public health orders to kind of see like what, what's allowable or like how you can make this work? I mean, I would almost consider myself uh, an officiato. If what's the word? An aficionado. Yeah. Why can't I say that word? I'm a word I can't say. Um, yeah, no, I like I feel like because th- my job this year has been to know exactly what the restrictions are, exactly what's allowed and be the educators of that as well. So I know all across Canada what the different limitations are. And um, and so we so when the customer is writing us, we know the answers. We're not you know, we stay obviously on top of it through our operations director. She's looking every day. But uh, I mean, we just we just stay completely in touch with what's allowed and what's not allowed. And that's our job you know our, our our mandate is and policy is all about safety and that's that's where our niche is so we just we're we've, we've made it extremely important to our position to know exactly what's allowed and what's not right so if anyone makes a booking through curbside they can rest assured that the the legitimacy of the thing has already been taken care of on the back. Correct. Yeah. And we actually even, you know, we even take extra precautions that may not even be completely deemed necessary, but we just make, we want to make absolute sure that the artist and the host and any audience that's in their home or during the summer when they're in their yard are completely safe. Um, Yeah. This is definitely the idea. I mean, when we decided to do a live music delivery service of sorts, um, it was because of COVID and it was because musicians didn't have work and it was because music music lovers couldn't see live music, but it wasn't just about 
let's get them some work and let's get them some music. It was about how can we safely do this at a time when things are a little bit insane. So yeah, so it's, it, you can rest assured that we are on top of it and no one is going to be in any position that isn't up to restriction and uh, safety and health. So for the, the bookings then, if you're, if you're visiting the Curbside Concert website, like you can select like, I want the French uh, Christmas Carol option, like you're specifying kind of like which which performer or like which style of music you're wanting, that kind of thing? Like right. Not- yeah. So we have our original roster on the Winnipeg page, for example. And but at the top now of those have been added, they'll say it'll say Dance Gram said duo. And it says right there, the English Christmas caroling and then the French Christmas caroling duo. And then so those those are the options you choose. I have had some people still try to choose other people on the roster from the regular season. Mm-hmm. But that's just not an option right now. None of them are uh, going to be doing any uh, winter caroling or winter performances. So so it's just the choice of those three. But they're right on the website. You can't miss it on the Winnipeg page. Or I've had people already requesting, but just say, who should I get? I just want French, you know, so I can direct them to it if they don't know how to find it. Right. Now, I mean, when we talked before the, like the little rig that uh, everyone was showing up with, like, is this like a, like an entirely acoustic thing or are they still using some sort of gear? Yeah. Everyone uses the battery powered speakers um, because, well, first of all, amplification is just nice, especially for performance you know it is a still professional performance so yeah we have uh we have each artist showing up at the curbside boulevard or the very edge of the yard which whichever uh, works safely um for yeah with the battery powered speaker for vocals and instruments and we actually have pretty they're pretty troopered actually these uh these musicians they're willing to play guitars and and banjos and and all this for the for the season, for the month of December. And personally, I don't know that I would want to. I mean, I know my own threshold. I was like, no, I'm not performing outside in the winter with my fingers and on a guitar. It's you know, I was doing concerts up to minus two, minus three, but that was where I stopped. But I'm a bit of a wiener, so <laughs> I'm just I'm just thankful we have tough tough musicians in our city. No doubt. Uh, so the Curbside Concert website is the avenue to make the bookings and request information. Totally. And if I mean, if you're having trouble at all finding that, I mean, it's curbsideconcerts.ca. But if for some reason you can't remember that and you don't know, just you can write me directly at any time and I'll help. I'll help, I'll help facilitate you to get what you need. Sure so, I mean, you can look me up on, you know, wherever. I'm pretty accessible. Rami Mays, everywhere. On, on the socials. <laughs> um, yeah. Before I let you go, I know I, I always uh, ask the artist to pick a track. Um, you, got a, you got a few different... Uh, options there on the table but um i don't start playing christmas music till december 1st that's like i don't blame you a hard and fast rule with me it was just like a certain period um so i don't know if uh, dealer's choice like what what do you want me to play anything you know uh, well, dance your boat yeah well dan scramstad just to be i don't know to be contextual um he was in the band he's the, he's the front man of the band the deeds okay and i would assume you guys would have the deeds there so correct yeah yeah, so maybe we can just play a track from the Deeds uh, to promote Dan and, and uh, thank him for his, his um, work for us this winter. All right, well, we'll do that. Rami, uh, stay warm, stay safe, and, and thanks for taking some time. Uh, Michael, always appreciate it, really. You too. You take care. You bet. Bye. Okay, thanks. Bye.
I'll be right where you are 